Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. That it is for this Monday. Thanks for your company. We hope you enjoyed Gillian Goss this morning. Matthew Pavlich, Justin Longmuir were big, making headlines. If you go online, Justin Longmuir has got his own story on the West Sport online feed. Courtesy of the quotes from Gillian Goss. Matthew Pavlich, he was a little bit reserved in regards to his role with Carlton and the review system. But I tell you who's not reserved, Patrick Cripps. He's been very strong this morning. We'll hear from him a little bit later in the show. You can always get in touch with us on 13 12 55 if you want to give us a call and have your opinion on anything or 0487 736 736. Chris Marston's going to join us, former West Coast Eagle, of course, Premiership player, now playing with Perth. Very ordinary on the weekend, the Demons. Kieran Hug is a young man who plays for the West Coast Waffle lineup, and they beat Subiaco in a massive upset on Saturday. And young Kieran Hug has been around the waffle system for a while. He went off and played bush footy as well. And the last couple of games against Claremont and Subiaco, two best teams in the waffle, he's kicked five goals and was a significant waffle contributor for the Eagles on the weekend. Jimmy Smith talking all things rugby league, of course, ahead of game two of the State of Origin on Sunday night. Michelle Escobar from Optus Sports and Michael Grantham. He had a massive weekend. Friday night at Gloucester Park, he drove the big race winner. Saturday night, he went down to Bunbury and drove another winner. Yesterday, he drove the truck, part of the Grantham Transport, and loaded up a few other horses on the truck and went up to Kalgoorlie and trained two winners, drove all the way back, and he's going to Pinjarra this afternoon. No rest. Mickey G, he'll be our guest a bit after 11.30 as well. What's tickling your fancy? Let us know. 0487 736 736. We're here till midday sporting goss. Let's check in on the Eastern Conference semi-finals, Game Seven, and Philadelphia Philadelphia seventy-eight, Atlanta seventy-seven. Still ten minutes to go in this game. Seventy-eight, Philadelphia. Ben Simmons in foul trouble early, had four fouls, I reckon, up to half time, or just before, just after half time. But it's going to be a close one. It's coming down, of course, as we saw yesterday, how close the games were in the NBA. These at the moment, seventy-eight, seventy-seven. The last quarter has just got underway. Let us know what tickles your fancy today, 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. Justin Longmuir was our guest on Gillian Goss this morning. He spoke on a range of subjects, including Adam Chera's future at the football club and also, of course, a, a range of other things in taking on Collingwood, a club he knows well. He was an assistant coach alongside Robert Harvey and he will join us now. Here's a replay of Justin Longmuir from this morning's Gillian Goss. Hey, mate, you're playing Collingwood and a team you know well. I know you've been out of their system for a couple of years now, but bottom line is, for the best part, 
but what they've done, they were doing when you were there working with Nathan Buckley and also Robert Harvey. What are you expecting from the Robert Harvey coached Collingwood? Probably not a lot different. Um, probably just seen a little bit of a shift in the way they've moved the ball in the last couple of weeks. Um, in particular, going a little bit straighter, a little bit faster, trying to get into their forwards a little bit quicker. And I would imagine that's been a bit of a shift and maybe on the back of some criticism they're getting with their ball movement about going lateral too much. Um, and I'd probably just expect them to um, keep building on that, to be honest. Um, I know Harves really rates um, pressure on the ball carrier and um, in effort, so I'd imagine he'd be pushing that and expect a really fired-up team that's going to move the ball a little bit quicker. Any, uh, do we know yet where that game's being played, Justin? Not, not yet. It hasn't, hasn't been locked away. Um, I think they're trying their hardest to get it um, at Marvel, where it's supposed to be in the time slot it's supposed to be in, but um, we haven't had confirmation from the RSL as yet. And has the buy uh, given uh, any particular guys uh, in your stocks uh, a chance to, to freshen up that were fringe by way of injury? Uh, yeah, some guys definitely out of the team. Um, Tabernard's yeah, benefited from it. Uh, he trained pretty well on, on Saturday. He's still got a few um, hurdles to jump over before we announce him playing. Um, and obviously Fife is the other one. Um, it's given him a really good chance to get up for this game. It's um, He's still going to be touch and go, but uh, yeah, he wouldn't, get, he wouldn't have got up if we didn't have the buy. So, yeah, there's a couple of pretty handy players we, we'd like to welcome back this week. Okay, so we're looking for a headline right here and now. <laughs> what chance has Nat Fife got of playing in the game? Uh, yeah, I, I, don't wanna, I don't really want to put a percentage on it. Um, yeah, like I said, he's got a, he's got a lot of hurdles to, to jump. Mm. But I, if, I, if I had to say one over the other, it'd be probably more likely that Tabernard play. All righty. Now... <sighs> I know it's out of your control and you probably don't talk about it. And I reckon every time you're interviewed, you've asked questions about it. So I'm going to ask you a question about it. Adam Chera's situation is unsettling for Adam Chera more than anyone probably. Now, Ross Lyon has bought into the fact is he thinks that Chera should go to Carlton and that Fremantle should try and get Zach Fisher and Sam Petrovsky-Seaton. It all looks a little bit too simple for my terms. How do you go about it as a coach of a footy club when a bloke's name keeps popping up in regards to his f- football future beyond this year? Don't worry about Sh- Big Sean because he's got another year to run anyway, but in particular, Adam Chera. Uh, you know, I, I just keep having conversations with him about it, to be honest, and try not to um, bother him too much. And, and I, the other thing is a footy coach and someone who, um, you know, respect, I just got to respect his um, decision making. And um, I understand that everyone wants it to be over and done with really quickly and him, for him to make a decision. But these are big decisions um, you know, for young young people to make. And I think history shows that he, he's a slower decision maker with his decisions off the field than others. I think when he signed a two-year deal back uh, with Freo back two years ago, um, he didn't sign it until after the season finished. So he just likes to set, uh, sit on things. Um, it's not affecting the way he's playing. If it was affecting the way he's playing or the way he's behaving around the club, I'll, you know, I'd probably put a little bit more pressure on him. But he's just going um, about business as usual. I mean, he's here doing extra touch um, at 7.30 this morning with one of our coaches. So he's clearly still invested in his footy and, and in us as a team. So I haven't really got any concerns on, on that sort of thing. So just let it wait and um, you know, respect his decision and give him as much time as he needs. 
does it have any effect on your mindset and your uh, the, the football department about recruiting, about all these various conversations that would be flying around in relation to other players? For you to be able to have to factor in, well, what if we don't have Chera on the list or what if we do have? Does it, does it affect any other decision-making at this point? Oh, it has to. It has to. And, um, yeah, and I suppose his management play a big part in that. Um, in, in trying to find the, tra- the right trade and, and all those sorts of things going on behind the scenes. And, yeah, clearly you, you put um, you know, things in place for whether a player leaves or a player stays. So, I mean, that's just good business. So, um, yeah, we're not at that, at that stage yes, uh, yet. Um, now, I'm, I'm confident that he'll, he'll choose to stay here and continue his um, career here and continue to help us build what we want to um, build. So... Um, I haven't gone shifted into that space, but you know, clearly others in his management would have. James Aish is a player that doesn't get uh, too many accolades. Inside the coaching fraternity and the playing group, he's had a standout season. He must be figuring prominently, I'm sure, in your thought processes about top three at the footy club for the club champion. I know we're only just coming out of the break, but he has been exceptional this year. Yeah, he's played some good footy. Um, and I, The thing that I love about him is he's a good teammate. Um, he's willing to play any role in the team that helps the team win. And um, we played him on the wing early in the year. We thought he could play a little bit of inside mid as well at times, which he did early in the year. But you know, with all the injuries in the back half, he's had to go back. And you know, he's clearly one of our better players against the Suns. Uh, he's just adapted to that role. It's a, I mean, it's a role he's played a fair bit in the past, but he's just willing to do anything he can to, to help us win and, and go places. So, yeah, we... Yeah, we love having having him around. Hey, appreciate your time. Good luck against Collingwood. Thanks for joining us on our show. Cheers, mate. No. Justin Longmuir on Gillian Goss this morning. There it was. He was declaring basically that Adam Chera is certainly still very much invested. No surprise. But to say that he was there at 7.30 this morning and doing some touch is probably not out of the ordinary. But if anyone was questioning Adam Chera's commitment to the football club, despite the fact that Ross Lyon... Ross Lyon thinks he should be going to Carlton and Carlton should be getting Adam Chera. What do you think about that, Frio fans? Love to get you. Ross Lyon has been saying it. Just remind yourself, Ross Lyon has been saying it. 0487 736 73. Ross Lyon has been saying that Adam Chera should be at Carlton and Carlton should be getting Adam Chera. That's Ross Lyon. He's coached the Fremantle Football Club. Fremantle fans used to like Ross Lyon. They loved him. They turned on him pretty quick, but then again, it didn't get them the, to the Holy Grail. They didn't get the. They got to the grand final a few times, of course, uh, in their journey, but they didn't quite get there. But uh, unfortunately for him, but there he is. He's sort of rocking the boat a little bit. Frio fans, what are your thoughts? Thirteen after ten. Still to come, we'll hear from Matthew Pavlich, who was in our studio this morning. He is on Gillian Goss on a Monday. Chris Master, not far away, and Kieran Hug. In fact, we'll go to Matthew Pavlich right now. He spoke on Gillian Goss on a whole range of issues, including his role at Carlton in regards to the review. Here is Matthew Pavlich from this morning's episode of Gillian Goss. How's, yeah, this, how, how's the Carlton going. review going? Hasn't started. It's okay. okay. Is the coach part of the review? Gilly's been asking, and we've had a couple of people on the text this morning asking, is the review, whether you like it or not, does it all direct back down to game day performance and the coach's performance. Look, yeah, um, I say it hasn't started. It's, um, it's about to begin. So any, any sort of comments, I think, from people who are doing the review are going to be uh, dangerous and tricky. But mm. um, what I will say 
collectively, yes, we're I'm part of the review. It's a all-encompassing review of the football department, and of course, it includes coaching. It's about all I can probably say on the issue, frankly. And so, I, I, I gather you go to all the, as the, the, the modern terminology is all the stakeholders in the game or in the club. What do you go to? You go to players. You go to the coaching staff. The whole everyone yeah. in the football department is that where it's contained to? Does it spill anywhere near front office or any of that, Look, or is it total? Still working through a fair bit of that, and as again, sort of given that the process is just about to start, um, I think it's probably unfair of any of the, of the independent sort of guys coming in to make broader external comment on it. But what I will say is that yeah, there'll be lots of people that'll be canvassed their opinions because um, you know it's important that uh, they, they find out what's going on. Yeah, so that. Because you went through this for Adelaide too, didn't yep. you? So, yeah, I guess my question, if you can take it back to what you went through with that, divulging the, sure. the fine detail, but were they the areas within Adelaide that you were you were looking? And then how much of all that opinion that comes in goes back to the coaching position? Well, look, I think um, the Adelaide one where uh, – so it's a little bit different because the Adelaide one was done at the end of a, a season, end of a, a – um, so that some of them were on their break and – um, I was in Adelaide for a part of that uh, review. So, yeah, speaking with some coaches, some players, um, people in the admin staff. Um, and then – but, you know, so this one's going to be a little bit different because it's a bit, bit more in-season. But, um, yeah, I think any any kind of comments on it starts to get a little bit tricky from, from our end. Um, and I think with specific regard to the coach, um, he's in there doing um, a job at the moment to, 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 win, to win games of football. So, um, yeah, that, that's sort of important for him. Yeah, difficult for you, but of course, uh, for us, uh, we'll get to a couple of other topics that are just coming through on the text now. But have you started watching Carlton games with more interest? Um, no, I try to watch all games, I think. I don't think, I mean, clearly, when you, you're there, you have a, um, or you've been tasked with a job, you, you try to watch them a little bit more than I normally would, but not. Um, but not with any more laser focus than I would normally watch a game of football. So Mark Robinson has written today, I think, in the Herald Sun that while there's no the intention wouldn't be to focus on the coach, it's a natural progression that the coach is the one that's the face of the team's performance. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think the coach in any organisation or the CEO or the managing director, whatever you like to term it in any type of business, they're the ones that always get looked at, but it is... Um, not necessarily this role, but any organisation that is is underperforming in their own eyes, um, it's a it, it is a holistic approach. It's not just targeted at one person. On the text, uh, boys, can you ask Pav for his take on Ross Lyon's opinion or sending Adam Terry to Carlton with a view to getting Petrevsky, Seaton, or Zach Fisher in return? So take your Carlton hat off and your Dockers <laughs> hat off and put on your analyst hat on. Okay, done. Okay, the hat's on. Chera for Petrescu, Seaton, or and who was the other one? Uh, Zach Fisher. Zach Fisher. Um, I think Adam Chera is a better player than both uh, Petrescu, Seaton, and um, uh, Fisher. Fisher. So I would be my, my that doesn't really stack up. I would be trying all I can to hold Chera. I think we talked about this last week, mm, didn't we? Yeah, about Sean Darcy, Darcy and and Adam Chera. Uh, both players are, are absolute important cogs in the Fremantle team. So they'll be doing everything they can to keep them. And they, they should. They should absolutely be trying to do everything they can to keep them. I don't think trying to trade either of them is the right call. On the text, uh, boys, can you ask Pav for his take on Ross Lyon's opinion or sending Adam Terry to Carlton with a view to getting Petrevsky, Seaton or Zach Fisher in return? So take your Carlton hat off and your Dockers <laughs> hat off and put on your analyst hat on. Okay, done. Okay, the hat's on. 
Chera for Petrescu, Seaton, or and who was the other one? Uh, Zach Fisher. Zach Fisher. Um, I think Adam Chera is a better player than both uh, Petrescu, Seaton, and um, uh, Fisher. Fisher. So I would be my, my that doesn't really stack up. I would be trying all I can to hold Chera. I think we talked about this last week, mm, didn't we? Yeah. About Sean Darcy. Darcy and and Adam Chera. Uh, both players are, are absolute important cogs in the Fremantle team. So they'll be doing everything they can to keep them, and they, they should. They should absolutely be trying to do everything they can to keep them. I don't think trying to trade either of them is the right call. Welcome back to Sporting Goss on a very cold and bleak Monday, and things are pretty bleak at the Perth Football Club. Disappointing, I reckon, with their performance against the East Fremantle Sharks. And one man who did try his hardest with 24 disposals was Chris Marston, and he joins us online. Uh, what was the dissection from the boys amongst the demons, Masto, in regards to what happened against the Sharks? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, mate, it was, uh, it was pretty grim. Cheers for having us um, on this cold morning. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty grim as the weather is today, I suppose, mate. We uh, didn't rock up. We had a lot of players coming back in, mm. probably seven or eight of our top players coming back in, myself included, and we just didn't deliver on the day, mate. It was, uh, yeah, it was a bit upsetting, to be honest. Um, a bit of dissection to be happening tonight, I'd say, with Mossy at training, but... Yeah, we'll see how we go. So, so can that happen when you look at your playing group and go, oh, yeah, all of a sudden we've got, you know, me back, them back, and, you know, we've got six of our best, you know, ten players back in the lineup, and albeit you might be a tad underdone, you probably think you'll just get the job done. Is, is that the psyche when you talk about not showing up? Yeah, I'd suppose so, mate. We've probably had some some wins where we, we weren't meant to win and we play really well. Mm-hmm. So like the South Roman West Perth games and then the, the ones that, you know, we sort of feel like we're, you know, we probably should win or we're probably the favourites or whatever. Um, yeah, we don't deliver. So we've got to fix that. Um, definitely a mindset thing because we can do it. Our best foot is definitely good enough. It's just uh, just doing it when we really need to, mate. Yeah. Uh, first game since round six for you. Pick up 24 disposals. How did you pull up? Oh, right, rough as guts, mate. Forty-five thousand years old, um, but that's there's nothing new there. Um, nothing bad, general soreness, but man, footy's footy's not getting any easier for me. I'll tell you that much. Um, and I know it's only early doors. Uh, you're looking to play beyond this year, Master. You're twenty. You're thirty-two. Um, you haven't been able to string yep. games together because of injury and, you know, whether it be the hand or whatever other injuries you've got or whether you talk about old age and general soreness. What's your what's your, <laughs> what's your thought process going forward beyond this season? Mate, I'd love to play for as long as my body can handle it. But, yeah, like as you said, I'm, I'm struggling to string games together now. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a process. I would love to play, but like my head wants to, just um, whether my body can actually do it. Um, I love I love being down there and playing waffle and having my kids down there and it's it, it's a really good footy club so I love being there. It's just whether I can actually continue to perform at the level I, I sort of hold myself to. Chris Master, now guest from the Perth Football Club, coming off a disappointing performance against East Fremantle. Uh, may I ask, uh, obviously, when you're at the Perth Football Club and you look across at the uh, palatial surrounds of uh, of the West Coast Eagles Football Club, a club that's dear to your heart, um, do you sort of uh, look at that and with great with great memories and on great reflection, or do you have you moved on from that moment? Oh yeah, I don't actually think about it too much. I, obviously. You know, you notice the big building and that, and I see the boys quite often, but um, probably should think about a footy career a little bit more. I suppose a little later on, but um, 
I mean, great times there. Love the boys. Yep. Love the footy club. And but now I've got a new one. Who are you hanging around with? Who, who are you still sort of? Uh, you still you and Schofield and all that sort of stuff still still doing, yes. your, doing your thing? You're well, still man, doing the wine to, thing? Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, we're doing a little bit of play. We've sort of been on hold for a little bit because we're both uh, pretty busy. He's just starting his own um, software or website business as well, so Is he's he? flat out. But yeah, mate, he's killing it. Um, but yeah, you know, Scotty and Sheeta and TB and Garvin, all the boys, mate. We all catch up quite. Early. We actually saw them yesterday, so um, it's always great to see the lads. The Waffle Eagles had a win on the weekend. They upset Subiaco. Mate, that was epic, weren't they? Who would have yeah. thought that? Well, some fair ins they had. Yes. Look, Philly playing the Waffle would have been fun to watch for a few people. Archie climbing on blokes' heads on the goal line. Yeah. Archie can get up. He can, Archie. I know. He can. So what, so what do you think will be the dissection from Gary Moss and the coaching group? And you know, he, and and how do you think he will react after the weekend for the Perth Footy Club going forward? Uh, he wasn't the happiest bloke after the game. Um, fair enough. There's a fair bit to go through, I'd say. The, our contest stuff continues to sort of let us down um, through the midfield and then sort of bleeds throughout the ground, really. So that's probably the main concern for us. And, you know, if we can't win the ball, at least as much as they do in, in the contest, then we're really struggling a little bit. So uh, something to look at. I don't know whether it's personnel or the game plan is really sound. and we, We've shown that when we when we play our best footy, it's just the consistency and, and doing it every week and doing it for four quarters. I don't reckon we've strung a full four quarters together the whole year. So, look, lots to work on, mate, but um, it's some, still some good signs. We've got some lot, a lot of young kids playing and they're playing really good. Some of our best players, I think Regan Clark's probably winning our best in first right now. He's 20. Um, so, there's a lot of positive signs, but there are heaps to work on. Perth Football Club have beaten South Fremantle the last four times they've played. Yeah, match up really well. Eh? I think we play them this week too. So go down to Freo and have a look at them. They're obviously a pretty good outfit. Um, and we've, we we did the job on them last time in the mm. wet. So, mm. mate, I wasn't playing. I haven't played against them for a long time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out there and having a go. Last time at Fremantle Community Bank Oval, Freo Oval, Perth won by three points. The last three games you've played them have all been at MRP and you've won all those. Uh, must be some confidence amongst the group. And if you get smacked tonight at training and the coach goes Coco Bananas, <laughs> it would be a nice way to bounce back against a very good team. Mate, it would be a good, great way to bounce back. I think we definitely have uh, a lot of confidence going up against them, but we do against every team. Like we, were, we were very confident against each Fremantle. So it's just, you know, it's the confidence is one thing. we just got to go out there and do it. We can talk all we want, but we actually go, have to go out there and have a crack. All right. So, what makes up your days then, mate? So, so if you if you, you and uh, Scully have put the, the little bit on the back burner, what, what makes up your days in life apart from family? Uh, I'm still in wine, mate. So, I'm in wine distribution for off the vine and unearthed wine merchants. So, I'm is that in, Scotty Sporting? Yeah, is that Scotty? That's... Scotty Sporting, mate. Yeah, good fella. That's that's the big dog. So, uh, yeah, I'm working with him. I have been for a long time. I was doing it when I was at footy as well. Yep. So. Um, yeah, do that full time. Bars and restaurants, I am mainly, so I don't have too many bottle shops or anything like that. But yeah, it's good uh, in hospitality, so you get to go out and see the people and talk a bit of noise about wine. What is what is the, what is the go to in the wine world right now, Mister? Oh, mate, pet nats, mate, natural wine. Pet what? Nats. That's that's the number one thing. Cannot get enough of them. What is it called? <laughs> what is it called? Uh, a pet nat, so a petion natural. It's a French word for mm. natural sparkling, basically. It? It's just uh, wine that's still fermenting, pretty much. Okay. It's like kombucha, mate. But oh, mate, I love booch. I love the booch. <laughs> I love Trent Carroll's booch. I love the rock. Yeah, he does a good job. Does yeah, a good he job. 
does a good job, does the, uh, the, 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 the TC man. All righty. Appreciate <laughs> your time. So, uh, Perth footy fans, hang in there. The season is not done by any stretch of the imagination because you are in the crosshairs of, of the rest of the competition. There's a lot of teams vying for spots in that top five. Yeah, mate, we'll be right. Stick with us. <laughs> nice work. Thanks for the chat. Cheers, Good on you, mate. There's Chris Marston from the Perth Footy Club, and they are playing South Fremantle this week, uh, 2.10 on Saturday, June 26th at Fremantle Community Bank Overly. He's a good fella, always a good fella, always up for a chat, and was an absolutely loyal servant for the West Coast Eagles, but doing good things for the Demons. This is the Sporting Goals. Just before I get the news away, Atlanta 96, the Philly 76ers are 92. There's 54 seconds left on the clock. Ben Simmons is having a day that he probably doesn't want to remember. He's had only two of 17 or something ridiculous. And Matthias Thibel, the great Australian, has just fouled some bloke called Hurta. And he's gone to the line and shot all three free throws. So 54 seconds to go. Eastern Conference semis, game seven. The winner advances to the conference final. Still to come, Kieran Hugg's going to join us. Also, Michelle Escobar talking Euro and Jimmy Smith talking NRL. Michael Grantham talking harness racing and racing. And hopefully we'll hear from Paddy Cripps before the show is out. And we are going to go to the Eagles headquarters and find out what Willie Rioli, Willie Watch, What's Willie Watch doing today down at Eagles headquarters? Let's get some news at 28 to 11. Good on you, April. April Austin in the newsroom. Six points to margin. Atlanta over the 76ers. Joel Embiid turning it over. It's all starting to look a little ugly for the 76ers, albeit they just got two back, of course, just then. Stay with us. Plenty more to come. We're here till midday. 10 till 12 is Sporting Goss. And they're in foul territory now. They're in the bonus. And it's just going to keep fouling away, I reckon, here. Atlanta, 98. Philly, uh, the 76ers are 94. It's time now to talk Euro. Of course, we are into another week of all the action being played. And uh, let's do that now with our next guest. Euro 2020 continues, and you can catch it all, of course, on Optus Sport. And let's chat with Michelle Escobar, Italy. They just continue on their winning way, Michelle. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, Italy have uh, done it again. They've recorded another win. They're now unbeaten in 30 games. So they're looking like the favourites to be able to win this uh, Euros. Absolutely. So they beat Wales 1-0, but they did get things on their terms, of course, because Wales basically was a 10-man 10 10-man 10 lineup, albeit Wales also advanced to the last of 16. Yeah, it's worked out well for, for Wales. Um, they're through despite losing, so all the Welsh fans are very happy with that. Uh, Bale, though, although he's been doing well, he has been missing a few a few shots that he would normally get, so there's talk about that, but I guess the most important thing is that they're through to the knockout stage. Yeah, very much so. And you talked about Italy's extended win, uh, unbeaten run. So 30 games. So for those who, who follow the Azzurri, 30 games, 25 wins, five draws. And the last time they achieved that was way back between 1935 and 1939. As they say, <laughs> records are made to be broken. So, wow, it's, a, it's, a quite, a, it's quite a streak. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's such an impressive uh, streak and it's all credit to Roberto Mancini. Mm. He was 
uh, the the coach of Manchester City and he won a lot with Manchester City and it shows just how much quality he has and how much he's been able to get the most out of his players. Very much so and he certainly took over the the country's uh, exploits uh, on the back of that disappointing uh, failing to qualify for the, the World Cup of 2018. So he's had the rebuild and it's starting to bear fruit. Turkey, well, they have been terrible and many believe going into this tournament they were a bit of a dark horse. Yeah, it's been quite surprising that they've failed to live up to expectations. They lost uh, 3-1 to, uh, to Switzerland this morning. And, yeah, it's quite, it's quite disappointing because there were high hopes for them because they had done really well in the World Cup qualifiers and the lead-up to this tournament. No doubt. Michelle Escobar from, uh, of course, Optus Sport is our guest. So we've got a couple of games in the morning, of course, and we're looking forward to these contests. Of course, we've got Ukraine taking on Austria, North Macedonia, the Netherlands, and then the uh, other games, of course, Russia versus Denmark and Finland versus Belgium. So four games to be tuned into, of course, um, from midnight Perth time, two o'clock, of course, uh, on the East Coast. So how do we see these? I'll put you on the spot. We'll we'll test you out here. We'll we'll put your tipping cap on. Ukraine, Austria, (laughs) win, lose, draw. Who wins? Uh, I think that this is a hard one, Mm. but I I think uh, I'm going to go for a draw in this one. I I, I think both of them are looking quite on level terms, so I think a a draw. Okay, draw for Ukraine, Austria. North Macedonia Mm -hmm. taking on the Dutch, the Netherlands. It's it's definitely a, a Dutch win in this one. The Netherlands have have been pretty good in this ter- tournament so far. North Macedonia, uh, you know, are struggling, but it, it could be out of pride that they uh, that they get a goal. But I, I'm thinking about like a three-one win for the Netherlands. Okay, no problems there for the Dutch. Russia and Denmark. This one's a really hard one to pick because you never know with the Russians and. Given what's happened um, with Denmark, with Christian Eriksen, um, you'd think that they would come out with a lot of fights. So I don't know, I, I'm going to go with a Danish win. Danish win to beat the Russians and Finland taking on Belgium. Belgium, for sure. This one, uh, no disrespect to Finland, should be an easy one for Belgium. They've looked very strong. So, so I think that, uh, yeah, it's going to be a Belgium Win. A walk in the park, and then Wednesday morning, England. Of course, we you know we all we love the we love the English. Uh, <laughs> Gareth Southgate hasn't given Jaden Sancho much of a chance. I mean, this is a bloke that's dominant for his club team. Uh, do we get any vibe as to what's going on there? Why he can't get any field time? Um, not exactly sure. There has been a lot of questions around Gareth Southgate's. Uh, choices even in his substitutions even in the lead up to this tournament he was playing um he he was choosing players that weren't going to be at the tournament uh, such as Jesse Lingard so there's a lot of questions around that and so there are calls for Jaden Sancho to be included in the starting lineup and hopefully that happens because they need a spark we saw them struggle against Scotland um, and they need to do better if they're going to live up to those high expectations that all the English fans have. No doubt about that. And they certainly are under enormous pressure every time they go into a world tournament like this one. You can catch all the action on Optus Sport. It's still not too late to subscribe and get a piece of Euro 2020. Appreciate your time, Michelle Escobar. We'll chat again soon on the Sporting Goss. 
Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Knows her stuff there. It's Michelle Escobar. This is the Sporting Goss. And don't forget, Optus Sport for the exclusive look at Euro 2020. He gives it a fair ride. It's going to fall just short. Oh, my goodness, Archie! What an absolute <laughs> screamer! Hand it over, Buds. Oh, Nathan Vardy, you've just lost 5K! <laughs> Welcome back to Sporting Goss. Our focus on the WFL continues. And as we just heard then, it was a huge mark by Brendan Archie for the West Coast Eagles waffle. And the man who put it down there from outside 50 was Kieran Hug. But he had a much better day than just kicking to the mark of the year contender in the Chi. And that is Kieran Hug. He joins us online. Congratulations on the win, mate. That was a, a pretty great result. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it was awesome to get the uh, four points. Um, the boys have been... Um, sort of building the last few weeks. So, um, yeah, to finally get the four points is um, a bit of a reward for effort and, um, yeah, we're pretty happy with it. No doubt. And, gee, I tell you what, Huggy, a bit of a goal kicker. Five goals off the boot against the two best teams in the competition, may I add, in your last two outlets. Three against Claremont in a much-improved performance and then kicking two, including the goal that got that little break late in the game for West Coast Waffle. You've found a bit of form in front of the sticks. Um, yeah, personally, it's um, nice to get on to a couple um, goals. But, um, yeah, as a small forward, obviously we're, we sort of pride ourselves on our pressure acts and um, doing things for the big men So when they bring the ball to ground. So, it's, yeah, um, between, um, you know, the the small fellows that, um, in, inside 50, it's wherever kicks the goals, kicks the goals. But, um, yeah, I'll definitely take a few. <laughs> uh, tell us your involvement with the West Coast Eagles waffle. Uh, uh, you're formerly, of course, uh, out of the waffle system. You're in the waffle system and you've ended up at West Coast Waffle. How did you come about to, to joining the club? Um, so I was um, at Perth um, Demons previously and then um, went to out to Donnybrook Football Club um, out in the southwest. Um, played a bit of football there and um, there was another fellow out there um, who's got in contact um, with the West Coast Eagles and, um, yeah, he just happened to put my name um, with him and, um, yeah, then I uh, got to go along in 2019 and um, sort of stuck around and, um, yeah, really enjoying it. So it's, it's been really good um, and sort of, oh, I don't know, it sparked, sparked my waffle again and um, the enjoyment for it, so... Yeah, really enjoying it. Involvement with an AFL club, albeit it's only at the waffle level, but you do get to, to be at the footy club and inside the facility and the like and train at the venue. Is it a? Yeah. Is, you must be feel very privileged and honoured to, to, as much as you're there to play footy and, and play good footy and play your role, but it must be a, a bit of a pinch me moment that you're involved with an AFL club at that level. Oh, yeah. It's a, obviously a fantastic organisation um, and for you know, us waffle-listed players to sort of get that insight on um, how they live their daily lives and, um, you know, get to use the facilities they do. It's, um, it's pretty special for us and um, you sort of pinch yourself each time. But um, at the same time, you you want to go there and, and play good football and, um, you know, be a be a part of the team. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really it's really great. And they, they really embraced us um, as, a, as a waffle club too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really good. Are you a better player? for it um yeah we uh we get um pretty good resources and obviously the the personnel that they have um um there coaches wise and obviously the players as well so you definitely do uh learn a lot and the education side of it um being fantastic 
um, for myself and obviously the other awful listed players. So um, it, it definitely helped my football. Um, and yeah, obviously the last few weeks has shown that um, uh, you know I've been able to contribute in a in a good way. So um, I'll. I'd say it has helped my football, yeah. So when you're playing, we're chatting with Kieran Hug from the West Coast Eagles Waffle lineup, who's kicked five goals in the last couple of weeks and played in their upset win over Subiaco and uh, was a, a key contributor. I mean, I think you had 16 disposals, two goals, one, and that came off that three-goal performance and 18 disposals against Claremont uh, at the previous round, round nine before the bye. Um, are there, when you're in that system where you're playing and you've got the Eagles blokes coming back from AFL, and on the weekend it was significant because... There were more players back, but in particular, Luke Shuey. Is there a lot of, mate, 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 over to me, mate, mate, mate. Is there a lot of mate calling as much as you know who they are, but it must be hard for them to acclimatise or do they or do, do they quickly adapt and adopt you as a teammate and know what's going on in the lines of communication? Um, yeah, there's, there's not too many mates um, flying around. Well, that's um, good. But, yeah, we, we obviously get to train with them um, in the pre-season um, and we get, um, you know, education sessions with them and sort of team bonding um you know we have dinners and stuff like that so and we get to train with them once a week mm. um as a squad um so yeah we, we, each player you know they're pretty accepting um of having us waffle listed players um and what they do for, you know to help us through football we we try and help them and play our play our role as well in the team so um, yeah, it's it's definitely a good um, bond between the AFL and the Waffle players. Yeah, Shuey put on a clinic, didn't he? He had 22 disposals. I think yeah. he had one kick under pressure that went out of bounds on the full on the wing and the wind took it away, but it was a kick when the three blokes were trying to mug him. But my heavens above, was he not the cleanest thing you've ever seen play at that level? Oh, it was, it was fantastic to watch um, and, and be on his team for sure. Um, just the way he went about his football and um, pre-game and, and his leadership obviously is... Um, outstanding so for someone um, with that football resume to play alongside it's um yeah something very special um and very enjoyable you played in round one huggy you didn't play till round seven what happened there um no i unfortunately did a hamstring mm. um so that put me out for a while um so just had to get on the recovery for that but yes yeah, so that wasn't a good start to the season but um yeah it's good to be back now it is it's good to be back and 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 one thing i noticed on the weekend was and i know he's a passionate man he comes into the studio and does a regular segment with me on a wednesday was the absolute passion and what that win meant to hamish brayshaw how's he going as the skipper yeah, yeah hamish has been fantastic for us he sort of helps um bridge that gap between um you know the waffle and the afl um and as a leader he's um you know keeps us very bonded um, as a group. He's, um, yeah, I know that 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 win meant a lot to him. I was actually one of the first to run up to him and just mm. the, the scream out after the game, just <laughs> you know the re- the relief and yeah, the reward for effort um, is fantastic. So um, yeah, he's been massive for us, um, and it's great to get the points for him. How do you sing the song, mate? How are you you good with the words? Yeah, it was. Um, there was a few that at the start we were, um, <laughs> didn't really know the words, but. Um, yeah, no, it was good. Once the once the song started, everyone joined in, and um, it was um, yeah, it was great to be in there. Okay, so what do you expect now going forward? Obviously, when when the the top team um, puts pressure on uh, in regards to numbers available at the AFL level, that sort of bleeds down in a positive way to the Waffle Eagles, and that's what it's about. It's to provide that link with the the, the AFL and the Waffle. You got to hold your spot. Do you understand your role inside the group if players come and and you, and the 
so-called, and for the want of a better word, the top-up players get nudged out. Are you? Are you? You're desperate, and judging by form, it won't be won't, won't be you. But are you aware of your role inside the footy club when numbers start to increase? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, now now there's injuries. Um, you know, blokes have gotten over injuries, so it's obviously going to be a lot more competitive um, up upstairs at AFL. So it obviously pushes players back down, um, but. Yeah, all of us players are aware of it. Um, that's you know that's all a part of it. So when we all um, get our opportunity to play, um, you know we just want to come in and contribute to the team. And the old cliche of playing playing a role for the team, but it's um, you know that's how we that's how we train and um, you know we work on working our craft each week for it. So um, yeah, everyone's very fully understandable. And um, you know when you get your opportunity, it's um, it's nice to come in and. Do your part. Yeah, hundred percent. You can't rest on your laurels with East Fremantle coming off a, a, a bit of an upset win and a good win against Perth, and they're certainly in the mix for a, a top five spot. So uh, you're going to be need to be at your medal when you take them down to East Fremantle on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. They um, had a good win against Perth, so um, they'll be coming in with a bit of momentum. So um, we've played them in the pre-season game, and obviously they had a good win against us last time. So it's um, yeah, it should be a great game and. Um, Hopefully we can string a couple together and um, get another win on the board. Huggy, well played. Mate, fantastic. Last couple of weeks, you've owned that little right forward pocket at Claremont, uh, I noticed, and you uh, again sneaking a couple of goals uh, through the big sticks on the weekend. It's good to see, and it's a it's a wonderful reward for persistence, and the fact is that you're a part of that Waffle Eagles team that upset Subiaco. Congratulations on that, and if it wasn't for your kick, mate, Archie wouldn't have taken the $5,000 contender for Mark of the Year, and I suppose you'd just have your hand out for a lazy... Ten percent, maybe, if he uh, gets the five grand for, for, for courtesy of Kia. <laughs> yeah, oh, just a beer would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good on you, mate. He's a good fella, Chi, yeah. and he, he played some good footy on the weekend. Appreciate your time. Congratulations yeah. on the win and all the best against the Sharks. Beautiful. Thanks, mate. Good Cheers. on you. There's Kieran Hug from the West Coast Waffle, and he was a very, very good contributor. In fact, he's been very good this year in the five or six games he's managed to play. But as you mentioned, he's coming off that hamstring injury. But outstanding the last couple of weeks especially hitting the good scoreboard with five goals in two games against the two best teams in the comp, Claremont and Subiaco. It's good to chat with Kieran Hug. This is Sporting Goals. Like this, Been a busy first hour. Thanks for your company. 0487 Frank says, worth mentioning, Italy did field their second team with eight changes. It was 1-0 before the red card, so still a very dominant display. Good on you, Frank. You know your football. Speaking of football... Peter Vlahos, he knows football. He'll be in the studio from five, drive with Peter V. Still to come in the next hour, Jimmy Smith talking all things NRL, of course. Game two of the State of Origin is on Sunday. And he'll have a big preview, of course. Origin live from this afternoon on SEN Sydney. So if you want to get onto our app, you can have a look at that. Have a listen to the... The team the special guest is Bradley Clyde. Michael Grantham had a massive weekend. A rangeman, transport horse driver, racehorse trainer. What can't he do? He'll join us in the next hour also. And we'll hear from Paddy Cripps. This is Sporting Goss. Like yes, just a little over a month before it all starts in Tokyo. Are you getting excited? We are. John Rahm has won the US Open, his first major victory, the 121st United States Open Championship, 
which was played at Torrey Pines in California. A final round, four under 67, got the job done. He won by one shot from South Africa's Louis Oosthuizen. It unravelled for him late. He finished with an even pass, 71. Harris English finished third from the US with a 68. Guido Migliozzi, who plays predominantly on the European tour, also finished with a round of 68 to finish in a tie for fourth with Brooks Kepka and Colin Morikawa. There were some fair dinkum implosions late in the in the tournament. Uh, Rory McIlroy, he struggled on the way home, finished with a two over 73. Russell Henley finished with a five over 76, was a co-leader going into the final round. And the biggest implosion of all, as you just scroll down, was Bryson DeChambeau. He had a round, a six over round of 77. And at one stage in the last round, so Bryson DeChambeau's round of golf, he was two under after the opening nine holes and was in contention. The back nine, he went par, bogey, bogey, double bogey, par, 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 quadruple bogey. Wow. I did better than that at Wembley. And then a par to finish. It was the great implosion so the fact is he had a share of the lead briefly and then finished tied for 26th. I know. That was a very much a poor way to finish. Best of the Australians tying for 35th. Adam Scott, Wade Ormsby tied for 40th. So Adam Scott overall finished plus five. Wade Ormsby plus six, plays on Europe. Um, my man, Blandy, he didn't have a great finish. He led at the halfway stage, and they had a weekend uh, to forget, 77 and 78 on the run home. Mark Leishman, what have you done, Gilly? What, he played like he was on the Leishman Lagers. <laughs> 12 over? Seriously. Won't be getting him on the Friday focus again in a hurry. I love him, though. He'll bounce back. No, no, don't be like that, you blokes. Come on. At least he'll be back. He's a great player. He just uh, it's a, like, To make the cut in a tournament like that is good enough. Matt Jones, 13 over. That's how it finished. So the top 70 getting through. Um, Cam Smith, he finished five over. Didn't make the cut for the Australians, of course. Who was it? Just scrolling down. How far, how far do we? Oh, Brad Kennedy started okay. Oh, BK. He ended up uh, not making the cut either as well. Steve Allen, he, uh, he got in late. He got a round of uh, 80 and 79, so he didn't make it. But John Rahm did. Now, this is John Rahm who... A couple of weeks ago, was six shots in front with a round to play and got tapped on the shoulder. I think it was at Memorial. Got tapped on the shoulder and said, you've tested positive to COVID. You need to go into lockdown. You can get out two days before the US Open starts. There was utter devastation. But John Rahm has produced one of the great comebacks of all time to win the US Open and may I say, well done to Wikipedia, with two holes to go, that already put it on. Someone had chimed in and put it that he'd won the Open two holes before Lewis Oosthuizen had even finished his round. John Rahm spoke passionately about karma and fighting back from what was a pretty awkward couple of weeks to win his first major. You know, I think I said it yesterday in an interview. Uh, I'm a big believer in karma and... After what happened a couple of weeks ago, uh, I stayed really positive, knowing big things were coming. I didn't know what was going to be, but I knew we were coming to a special place. I know I got my breakthrough win here, and it's a very special place for my family. And the fact that my parents were able to come, I got 
out of COVID protocol early, I just felt like the stars were aligning and I knew my best goal was to come. And I have a hard time explaining what just happened because I can't even believe I made the last two putts and and I'm the first Spanish ever to win a US Open. Uh, this was definitely for Seve. I know he tried a lot and you know, usually we think a lot about him in the Masters, but I know he wanted to win this one most of all. And I just don't know how to explain it. You talk about this being a special place. You won your first ever PGA Tour event here. You asked your now wife, Kelly, to marry you here on the cliffs at Torrey Pines. And now you've won a U.S. Open here. What does this property mean to you? I've said it once. I've said it a million times, and I'm going to say it once again. It reminds me a lot to back home. It's not exactly the same, but the coastline, the weather, the temperature. This is basically a good summer day where I grew up. And... Those point of greens is something I know and I understand and I grew up on. And I think it's something that really just resonates with me. Uh, I'm really confident in it. And like we just said, everything that's happened here, I don't know why, but every time we come here, we're just happy. As soon as we land in San Diego, it's like, all right, we're in our spot. And, you know, it's, again, once again, we were in our spot and I was able to come on top. Doesn't sound Spanish, but he is. John Rahm, six under, beating Louis Oosthuizen. South Africa, who I'm led to believe, according to Gilly on this morning show, has a WA caddy, a South African who now lives in Perth. And the more we looked at the caddy, Gilly was going, oh, no, no, if it's the same bloke. <laughs> he was back, beep, 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 but still a good story nonetheless. But John Rahm, great story, great comeback. And I saw his beautiful wife, Kelly, with their newborn around the 18th green when he won. And that's a fair-sized rock she's got on her finger, let me tell you. It was supposed to be one of the best golfers in the world. That was one chunky piece of diamond work going on right there. Hey, it's nine after 11. Still to come, Jimmy Smith talking all things rugby league. In particular, we are talking about the NRL. And Michael Grantham will also join us. And we are trying to hear more from Patrick Cripps as well. Uh, we're going to take this very small snapshot of Patrick Cripps, the co-captain of Carlton, of course. There's a lot of conjecture about his uh, situation, but he answered a, a few questions today. When all else fails at a footy club, throw up your captain to try and take the heat off. This is what Patrick Cripps had to say. Here's 90 seconds of his best from this morning's Carlton press conference. When you're in places like this, it's easy to point to one person, but footy's a collective group and um, we're all taking responsibility for where we are at the moment. It's not just on Teague, it's everyone. As leaders, we're going to back Teague in and Teague backs us in as players and, and you'll see his emotion um, in, oh, I guess, interviews after the game, pre-game, and he really believes in us as a group, and, and we've got to believe in him, and we've got to be accountable for our actions. It's something we, we're going to address. Um, one thing I'll say about this group, we give effort every week. It's disappointing that the tackle count was like that. Uh, at the same time, we, we're winning the ground ball stat as well, so it wasn't a lack of effort. We'll still win the ball, but pressure is definitely something we've got to keep addressing as a group. The, the pressure the pressure factor, the tackles, um, so that's something we'll keep working on. It is frustrating, and and I wouldn't put it down to between the years. We, I mean, we're quite a resilient side. You saw it last year, and you've seen it in games this year. And uh, for us, yeah, we've got to put four quarters together, and and we've got to play well. I can understand the frustration that may be coming from the fans, from from oh, I guess the people outside the club. Um, but but I can tell you right now, the coaches, Tiggy, the leadership group, and the players are working bloody hard to to try and put them together. And um, we'll be looking to do that in the back half of the season. The most important thing is we stick together as a group and, and have a clear focus on what's going to make us improve. And 
I've seen I've seen teams turn around quickly. I've been in this position of four as a group, um, and I've seen how we can play a good foot in the back half of the year. We'll, we'll turn. It's a, a week's a long time of footy. I know everyone, a lot of teams say that, but it actually is, and um, I know I've got a lot of belief in this group. Strong words from Patrick Cripps, and, and well spoken. And there's not much more he can say, but of course, if you're a Carlton fan, do you believe? Do you believe David Teague is the man for the job? Of course, we had Matthew Pavlich on the show this morning. He's part of the review. And while Pav was in a situation this morning where he couldn't really speak out a turn, you've, it's hard to ignore the fact is that the coaching tenure of David Teague is certainly what's on everyone's mind. It's not whether Patrick Cripps is going to re-sign another agreement, another contract and stay at the footy club, which your day would be. And, you know, you look at their list, but they've just tr- chosen strange players. Um, they've got a Harry Mackay, great forward, going to be a really good player. Obviously, Charlie Curnow can't get on the park, but there's an undisciplined effort there. But the fact is he was, you know, not doing the right thing in recovery and uh, unfortunately found himself on the uh, on the outer again through injury. But Zach Williams and Adam Saad, they, they basically went and just got halfback flankers. And, and Saad looks slow. He doesn't have any dash. He doesn't have any confidence. And Zach Williams, well, you know, he was in a power midfield running unit GWS, and that's what they are. They run the ball. But he's not there. Um, he's a better player at than what he's giving at Carlton. So it's what's around you as well. And may I say, may I say, for what it's worth, Mitch McGovern, play him at, I know he's not fit and he's been injured a lot and gets injured a lot. When fit, play him at centre half back and leave him there. Don't pinch it up forward. Don't make him ruck. Don't, you are playing centre half back. That is your new position. He can match it one-on-one. He's got a great vertical lead. He can punch the ball. He's got a bit of speed. He's not a forward in the Carlton lineup. Harry Mackay is the forward. Charlie Curnow can play forward. Do not play Mitch McGovern forward. Play him at centre half back. They rushed it. There was no patience. But what's happened now is they're actually believing they're sort of on the right track. They're not. They are so far off it. So whether David Teague's at fault, whether the recruiting's at fault, whether and you can't sort of uh, blame the players who commanded the big money, Adam Saad and or Zach Williams. They went. They got good deals. Good luck to them. But the bottom line is they recruited the wrong players. They recruited the wrong players. Anyway, if you're a Carlton fan, are you okay? Do you need a hug? Because it has been a very, very big disappointment. Carlton and St Kilda, no doubt, have been the big abject failures of the year. If you're a St Kilda fan or a Carlton fan, let us know. 0487 736 736 or give me a call and discuss it on air. 13 12 55. We'll get a breakaway, come back. Not too far away, we'll hear from Jimmy Smith talking all things rugby league. Michael Grantham as well. And we'll go to the break, actually. We'll go to the break. This is Ross Lyon talking on uh, rival radio station Um, 3Ms, and he had this to say about Adam Chera and his link to Carlton. If Carlton could get him, you know, because I think who's who's the likely one, Fisher to go home or Petrecci Seaton? I'd take Chera. This is just my personal view. It's no slight on those players, but I know Chera intimately. I would take him every day of the week because he's a bona fide mid and the other two aren't. 
Welcome back to Sporting Goss on a very bleak and wintry Monday. Not too sure about what the weather's like doing in Sydney town, but one man that will tell us is Jimmy Smith, of course, all part of NRL Nation. And don't forget tonight, if you're a rugby league fan, rugby league, you want to get on 1170 SEN Sydney between 6 and 7. Origin Fever, Jimmy Smith joins us. Who's the star attraction tonight, Jimmy? Bleak and wintry, Jimmy. <laughs> I'll give you the forecast here in Sydney uh, at the same time. Yeah, Origin Fever with Brett Kamali, of course, the mm. former New South Wales great. And we've got a, a, a cast of who's who's played for the Blues. Bradley Clyde, the great oh. Bradley Clyde, will be our guest uh, tonight. Love Bradley Clyde. Him and Glenn Lazarus and uh, Ricky Stewart. Yeah. Was he in Ricky Stewart's era? All of them, yeah. all of them. Yeah, Laurie Daly, Mel Meninga, Mel Meninga, Brett Mullins, Gary Belcher. Oh, it was literally, wow. of the. there was about nine positions in rugby league and there were the seven best players on the planet. They all played for the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders were in a close one on the weekend, got beaten 22-20 by the Dragons. The other close one was the Sharks over the top of the Cowboys, 26-24. to But can I just ask, has there been... The, the, some of the lopsided results, and we've had this discussion before, Rabbitohs won 46 nil, and I was seeing on social media, some reckon they could have won 80 to nil. Storm won 66-16. Sea Eagles beat the Titans 56-24. There's some alarming margins in rugby league. Has it ever been like this in, in more recent times? Statistically, it'll say no, because um, margin of, of um, defeat or victory is is been higher than... Uh, in the history of the NRL. Um, and it's only moved a few points, but it, it's just got that feel about it. And I, I, the, the interesting one, Timmy, is the Seals v. Uh, Titans match. The Titans led that 24 points to eight at one stage. Wow. And they ended up being beaten 56-24. So it, it's almost ridiculous that the Eagles scored 48 unanswered points against a side that in that same game were playing at a much higher level than them. And, and then um, it, it's it's an alarming trend. And I, to be honest, I don't think there's any, as all these things, there's no one reason as to why it happens. Like you can't say it's the crackdown on high shots or you can't mm. say it's the new rules that are introduced. And you can't say it's some clubs are better managed than others and, and some clubs have better roster management. It's all of those things. Mm. But what it's leading to is some incredible lopsided scorelines. For example, Saturday night, you know, we're walking into prime time for, for KO and Fox Sports, and you've got the Storm up against the West Tigers. The Storm were leading 30 nil, mm. and the West Tigers had had two tackles, not two sets, two tackles, and that just blows the game away. <sighs> so... We are looking like it's a, it's a four-team comp. Is, is anyone outside the top four standing right now? And, of course, we've got the Storm on top, Panthers, Eels and Rabbitohs. Do, do we need to look any further? Yeah, yeah, we, we do. Really? Um, because you've got a fighter's chance, right? And, and unless you finish in the top four, you won't. But I'm still not convinced that those teams are our top four. So okay. um, the Roosters are definitely there. That, that game against Penrith was high-quality game. They were leading 12-0. They were up 12-6, and then one of their players sent to the sin bin on a very, very dubious decision. And then by the time he came back from the sin bin, the scoreline was 22-12 in favour of the Panthers. Now, I'm not saying the Roosters would have won that game, but it certainly had a massive impact on the momentum of the match when that when that player was dismissed. And and the side we are just talking about, the Manly Seagulls, it, it, if 
They haven't even got their full roster back yet and playing well. But they got one bloke. His name's Tom Trebojevic. He's playing at the back, and and his his form this year has been unlike anything we've seen from anyone. I think since Jared Hayne in two thousand and nine, when he and he took the second sec, they were second last the Eels halfway through the year, and he dragged them into the grand final that year. Kevin Walters, um, do you think he's happy he's taken over the Broncos? <laughs> Not sure happy is the word I'd use, Jimmy. Um, how they get uh, out of this? How, how they get out of this? I mean, tell me, tell our listeners right now, listening on Sporting Goss, give us the rugby league equivalent to the AFL of how long it takes to rebuild a team that is on its knees. Um, I reckon they're four, five, six, seven, eight good decisions away from being competitive again in two years. And what are those decisions? So, are they playing right, play, and, play and, rosters? And, and, yeah, and, and that's right. So if you get if you get three good decisions and two bad ones, okay, we'll extend that out to four years, you know, five years. So if they get everything right from here, and I'm talking down to uh, recruitment of players, recruitment of off-field staff, um, and, and that's an extension all the way through the football department. Like, they've, they've literally just started to put a broom through the football department. So... Um, you know, as we know, Jimmy, um, that success has many fathers and failure is an orphan. So no one no one wants to put their hand up and say, yeah, well, that was me that was making all those decisions. So people get moved on and they become scapegoats. And um, But it's been a series of, of poor decisions at a management level over the course of the last three or four years that have seen Brisbane get to this point. They need to make good decisions now over the next three or four years and then they'll become competitive again. I know they're huge in Queensland. I get that. And we're talking about the Brisbane Broncos with Jimmy Smith, NRL Nation. And, of course, don't forget, tonight between 6 and 7 on SEN 1170, you've got Origin Fever. Special guest Bradley Clyde, Brett Kamali, will also be co-hosting the show. How loyal are the Brisbane Broncos fans? Have they dropped off? Are they patient? I mean, how do they? how is the fan base reacting to what is this bleak run and sitting on the bottom of the table? Yeah, and it's it's uncharted territory for mm. them too. You mm. know, we thought it was a blip on the radar last year when they ran last. I don't think they'll run last this year, but you just never know. Um, uh, there's a you know, like anything, Timmy. There's a certain section of them that'll stick solid through thick and thin, and then there's these casual fans that hey, if the Broncos are going well, we'll get forty thousand there on a Friday night, or or forty five thousand on a Sunday afternoon to Suncorp Stadium to watch them play in a big game. Mm. You know, those crowds have dropped away and, and you're looking at your twenty and twenty five and, and thirty thousand, which um, you know, they're still the biggest they're still the biggest club in the mm. league. Mm. They're they're still they still turn over the most money. They they still generate the most press. Um, so, you know, they're the one team town and um, the vast majority of Brisbane and Queenslanders love the Broncos, but they're only so patient. So we get the break, of course, from our uh, round of, uh, of NRL action. We turn our attention, of course, to State of Origin. How do we go? How is this going to be played out? And, of course, you're going to be talking about that on Origin Fever tonight between six and seven, of course. But how does the game two play out? Well, if I put my blue hat on, yeah, I put think it on. it's going to be another. Yeah, well, it's going to be another flogging for the Queensland side, a really understrength. Queensland side that, you know, once again, Freddie Fitler would have been giggling when the teams were announced today that they saw, they've still got Kurt Capewell in the centres. Righto, let's get Tommy Trebojevic with him uh, one-on-one and see what he can do. But 
Um, there are some bright spots for Queensland, and one of them is this 18-year-old kid that's been asked to play fullback. It's a big ask. It's a, it's a massive ask. And he had a mixed game on the weekend playing for the Warriors against Newcastle, but he's a superstar in the making. Um, I, he, I don't think he's the, the white knight, the saviour that's going to be there for Queensland in this match, but in a decade's time, I reckon Reese Walsh we're talking about as, as one of the great entertainers in the history of rugby league. So um, fair bit of pressure to put on an 18 year old, but uh, I, I hope he I hope he doesn't have one of those games that you know people remember for all the wrong reasons. But I can't see anything but a, a New South Wales victory, Timmy. Yeah, going to be very hard for Queensland to get off the floor. And then let's put our NRL normal regular season hat on. Do I wait till just Thursday, July one, for the Roosters Storm? Does that kick off the round? Is that the game I should be clamouring to the television to watch? So here's the issue, mate. All we've got to wait is okay, which players are backing up out of this? Yes. From the Roosters and from the Storm and from the Rabbitohs and from the Broncos and from all these other, <laughs> from the Panthers. And, and once with that, we'll, we'll reset things and we'll go from there. Oh, good on you. So you're not going to tip. You're not tipping me anything. No, not yet. All right. No, no worries. I'm keeping my powder dry. Oh, no, yes. Nice work of the powder dry. Like <laughs> it. Hey, good on you, mate. Appreciate our chats. Always love our chats at Rugby League. It is tonight between 6 and 7 Eastern States time, 4 and 5 SEN 1170. It is, of course, Origin Fever. You'll pick it up on the podcast as well or SEN.com.au. Jimmy Smith, appreciate your time. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, April. April Austin in the newsroom. So you would have heard this morning that it's all over for the Philadelphia 76ers. They were beaten, of course, in Game 7 by the Atlanta Hawks. wasn't a great series. And the, the pushback and the anger and the abuse that poor old Ben Simmons is copping after another poor series, um, it's been big time. Have a listen to this. Now, this is a, a reporter asking Doc Rivers. This is Doc Rivers' response to whether Ben Simmons uh, can be a part of a championship team. And then chiming in, of course, uh, is uh, NBA great Charles Barkley. This is the assessment of what took place after the 76ers' loss and Ben Simmons' poor form. Doc, you think Ben Simmons can, can still be a point guard for, for a championship team like the one you guys want to become? Yeah, David, I don't know that question or the answer to that right now. Um, you know, so I don't know the answer to that. Hmm, interesting um... <clears throat> Interesting answer and interesting non-committal answer by, no, by Doc Rivers to that. No, you don't not. think that's an interesting answer? No, because I've told you on this show a hundred times, Ben Simmons can be an all-star, but that's all he can be until he learned how to shoot. No, but that wasn't the question. Yeah, but listen, that, that, that's the answer to the question. If a guy is uh, – my second-best player can't shoot, I can't go to him with the game on the line. I, I don't even have him in the game. I, I, he didn't want to throw the kid on the bus. He said, it doesn't matter. We sit here. We are basketball guys. We know basketball. You can't have a guy on the court who's afraid to shoot the basketball. But to come I know that's what that's you think. I was just, we were just responding to what Doc said. Well, doc, said well, that's doc, a non- doc. Yeah, and it got ugly, and that's just what happens. And in, I'm reliably informed by our basketball aficionado that uh, Philly, the Philly fans don't like it when any of their sporting teams fail to deliver. So Ben Simmons was asked when he felt like he'd played his last few minutes in Philly. And he says, I feel like we just lost game seven. That's about it. Says he would like to stay. I love being in Philly. I love the organization. The fans are great. I had a bad series. I expect the booze. Ben Simmons says offensively, I wasn't there this series. 
There's a lot of things I need to work on. So then someone has put up on the screen for me to read out to you. Ben Simmons' fourth quarter in the se- in the seven-game series. He made two of two field goals in game one. Game two, he didn't put up a field goal in the last quarter. Game three, he put up one and nailed it. In games four, five, six, and seven, he did not put up a field goal. There was one case, and I was on air, but I was watching it, where he was on the baseline and could have just jumped up and jammed it in and gave it off to a teammate who was under the pump on the other side of the basket. He's just got the yips. He's got the yips. He'll be right. Come him and Thibault, my man, Matthias Thibault, you watch him go at the Olympics. We'll win gold and he'll be the star. And then he'll come back and play for the Wildcats. Imagine if he played for the Wildcats. How good would that be? Hey, let's get a breakaway. We'll come back. Michael Grantham had a great weekend. He's a young man. He's actually a really good character. You'll enjoy the chat. Chatted with him a little bit earlier this morning before things got busy for him. He is a harness racing driver. He had a huge night on Friday night. He then went down to Bunbury Saturday night, had another winner down there. He drove his horses to Kalgoorlie yesterday where he's a racehorse trainer and had a race-to-race double, and he's going to Pinjarra tonight. Get your pen and paper ready. He does throw out a winner for us at Pinjarra Harness Racing this afternoon. Always gamble responsibly. It's 25 to 12. Michael Grantham joins us next. Further back, Volt and Timber, shockwave had bolted away. And 28-7, the third quarter, he's home and hose, about 20 metres in front. But shockwave is going to absolutely bolt in with a devastating performance in the Winter Cup. Shockwave by 25 metres to perfect major Kiriskiro. If that was an armchair drive, then that was an armchair drive. Well, that's the way it looked. Michael Grantham steering shockwave to the big race win on Friday night at Gloucester Park. That looked very, very easy, Mickey G. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no worries, Timmy. Hey, look, yeah, it was great. Um, I guess it was just great to get the opportunity and um, to be thought of to, to get the steer behind him. But it was a pretty armchair drive, like I said to, to many people. I was... Um, I was only the passenger in in that situation, <laughs> but he um, he does have his little twicks and twerks and um, a few little manner problems. But um, he was on his best behaviour, so um, I was very thankful for that. When you're going and you're sitting behind a horse, we're chatting with Michael Grantham, fresh from his drive on Shockwave, and then he had a, backed it up with a great day yesterday in Kalgoorlie. Just tell us a bit when you're sitting behind a horse and you're looking behind, you're thinking they're not as close as I thought they should be. Uh, especially with a horse like Chicago Bull and a couple of other top liners, are you thinking this is extraordinary or the others are out of form? Well, it's funny because um, I was pretty happy with when I come out of the machine and um, uh, no one really attacked me early, so I was able to you know, sort of sit up on him straight away and get him relaxed. Mm-hmm. And when we had sort of gone a 1,000 metres and Bully had pulled out about the 1,300 and um, you know, come around to the breeze and... Um, Shockwave sort of, you know, he grabbed the bit and wants to get on with it. I wasn't too worried because we only had, you know, running. I know he can, he can, he can run a good twelve hundred regardless of what happens. And um, when he sort of run that twenty seven seven into the bell, I wasn't too worried. But um, you know, when I give him a bit of a shake up down the back, he just, yeah, he just goes from zero to hero. And um, you know, he he could just kept on lengthening if you if you asked him. But he's um he's obviously he's obviously a very good horse and. It's obviously a great training effort from Ryan to to bring him first up, giving the two trials, and 
and to dominate a field like that over 2,500 is um, probably remarkable, really. Yeah, congratulations to Ryan Bell. Does a, does a great job. Did you look at yourself on the screen on the in, on the infield halfway down the straight? Did you have a quick look to see how you looked? Yeah, obviously you've seen me do that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how was your posture? How was it all looking? Oh, yeah, it was great. Don't get me wrong. Jesus. No, it was, um, it was just more, you know, just have a look and um, I don't know. It was it was actually, I was meant to, um, I was having a funny conversation with Simon Miller the, the, that afternoon before I was going there and he wanted me to do all these hand signs and that. And I, was, <laughs> I said to him, it's going to be the longest three minutes and 15 seconds of my life because I didn't breathe the whole race. So um, <laughs> I, I sort of half, I forgot about it. Were you, were you actually quite nervous? Um, it was funny because I was um, the owner of Johnny Angel come to um, <clears throat> to Kalgoorlie with me yesterday in the truck and I said, I got that bloody nervous driving Dr. Tom at Bunbury the night before on Saturday and I said I didn't even feel one bit of anxious driving shockwave. I think I was just more like, oh, well, if it, if it happens, it happens, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, it's just a different feeling. But, yeah, I do get pretty nervous, but... If you don't get nervous, you shouldn't be out there. Yeah, hundred percent. Michael Grantham, our guest on Sporting Goss. So, 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 Mickey G, explain what you are. Are you a trainer, rangeman, a rangeman trainer, a horse trainer, a horse float driver? What, what exactly? <laughs> what exactly do you do? Uh, well, I, I get up and have a coffee like usual people, <laughs> and then um, I come out and do my horses, and yeah. um, you know, either go to trials or yeah. got races yeah. or. Um, and then, yeah, I go, go do the trots during the day or at night. And then, you know, you do your horses again in the Arvo. And, um, you know, every now and then, Dad, Dad might have a bit of an overflow with, with work or mm-hmm. he might need a truck picking up here or there or, you know, he needs his hand held as well. So <laughs> just go, go, and, go and help him out. So, yeah, no, it's a bit of everywhere. But I guess while you're young, you can do that. Exactly. Uh, of course, uh, Grantham Transport is, you know, the biggest – and the best, of course, it gets the horses around our state and, and the like, of course. Uh, but um, so, how many horses gallopers are you training? Yeah, I got ten at the moment, and then I've just got one pacer, which mm-hmm. is Livy J. And um, yeah, so it, it keeps me honest. Put it that way. How does Livy J go, knowing that it's the only pacer in the stable? Does it get as much love as the gallopers? Oh yeah, she's she's beautiful. She um she ends up doing two or three trips with my gallopers. I. I end up riding her and I lead a couple. She does a couple of trips off the side. So um, she loves it. She gets looked after. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, nice. Now, Kalgoorlie, so did you drive up to Cal yesterday? Yeah, yeah. We left about, um, I think I got the horses out about three and we were left here by a quarter to four. And um, <sighs> I'd done a couple of loop around here and there to pick up some other people um, on the way. And um, <clears throat> we end up getting up there just, just after 11 and, yeah, and you get there, it's pretty full on. And then I think we were back on the road by just after, yeah, 4.30, I think. And we got home at midnight. <laughs> wow. And then what time you have to get rise this morning? Uh, well, I was pretty lucky that um, my mum gave me a hand this morning. So um, I didn't have to rise too early. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was up and about, about 6, 7. And back into it for the day again, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And the good part but is... Every, yeah. Yeah, everyone else does it. You know, Adam, he's been up there twice in a week and, um, you know, they all do it. And but obviously he's got, a, he's got a team of 100, so he's got a lot of staff. But, you know, it's just the dedication you've got to put in, I guess. Yeah, amazing stuff. We're chatting with Michael Grantham, who drove Friday night at Gloucester Park, the big race winner, as we heard, with Shockwave. You went down to Bunbury. How did you go down to Bunbury on Saturday night? 
Uh, yeah, I had two drives, and the first one, he's um, he's got his own little problems, but Mousy's got a, a nice horse, Dr. Tom, yeah. that you know, I've obviously driven the whole way through, and, and he won quite comfortably first up, so that was good. It, it made the drive home from there a bit easier, and then a couple of hours sleep, and we'll, we're on the road to Cal again. Incredible <laughs> workload, mate. Um, you are young and stupid enough to be able to do it, so that's the good, <laughs> the good part. And, and look, going up to Cal yesterday was a special one because you, you trained a double. Yeah, no, it was great. It was, um, you know, obviously I got uh, the boys of Hit Wiggle, they're a great bunch of owners, so it was great to get a win for them. And um, obviously Mike Pike, he um, he owns a few horses with Robbie Williams. He has that Fear Fly, Ryan Fly, and um, Trial Brigade, and all those sort of horses. And he owns Livy J, and he jumped in the truck yesterday. So he um, he put his, I guess you want to say, his, his, his trust in me, and I brought him a Galloper because he wanted one, and. Um, He'd been running honest races down here, but he just sort of needed that little bit of an edge and a kill. So I messaged him the week before. I said, I'm going to go back to Cal. Can I take Johnny? And he said, absolutely. So um, it was good to get a kill there with him. And um, it was, yeah, it was great to get two, I guess. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So it always makes the drive well worth it. Now you are actually, so you're thinking about, oh, you know, you just get back into it. And you do get back into it because you go to Pinjarra Trots this afternoon. Yeah, we got Pinjarra today. It's going to be bloody freezing cold down there, I think. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've got three drives down there. And um, I think uh, if it does if it does um, hold off, I think I have got a win. I think Miss Lamar in race seven will win. All right. So right, you're in races five, six, and seven. So you've got a slightly later yep. start. Miss Lamar for yep. Mouse Brennan. For those who don't know, Mouse Brennan, former Olympic hockey player, of course, Michael Brennan, um, and uh, goes around in race seven on the program uh, which is uh, Miss Lamar number ten. So, so mate, you just you sound like you love it, and you know, obviously, you, you know that uh, Miller and I are, are, are good mates as well. Or the Lord Mayor yeah, of Subiaco, yeah. he's a good fella. He, he speaks so highly of you, and he said you've got to get this bloke on. And I said, well, he needs to do something special. He can't just come on the show. <laughs> so I picked a good day for you to come on, Mickey J. Absolutely, he did. Absolutely, he did. No, he's great. He's um. He gives me a lot of support and, um, you know, I can bounce a lot of ideas off him and, um, you know, he, yeah, he, he helps me out a lot with yeah. either training or just your mental, your mental case. He, he pulls you into line and tells you what you want to hear and you don't want to hear. Mm. And, um, but yeah, he's a great, he's a very great man. Yeah. He's got a, a warped sense of humor, but at the same time when he needs to, uh, <laughs> he needs to give you a bit of a brick bat, he gives you the brick bat and he's, uh, he does the absolutely. same with his staff. He's done the same with Holly Watson. We had Holly on the show a couple yeah, of weeks absolutely. ago and she said, he he just kept me at bay, kept me at bay, and then he he, he sets me up for a, a ride in town and a midweek in town, and she rides and goes a winner. Bang. Yeah, it goes bang. So That's he's a right. he's a smart man. Hey, mate, congratulations! A, gr- a great weekend for you. There it is: a Friday night winner in the main race with Shockwave, a Saturday night winner with a Rising Star and Doctor Tom, a double in Kalgoorlie. You're off to Pinjarra, <laughs> mate. There's no rest, mate. But when you're on a, when you're on no, a good thing, stick to sounds, it. That sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Mickey G. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, bud. Cheers. Thank he, you. He's a good he's a good story. He's a good fella, and everyone has raved about him for a long time. He's one of the all-time good fellas of the industry of both gallops and, of course, harness racing. Then you see the big trucks driving around Grantham Transport. That is the family business. We'll take a break. We'll come back. This is The Sporting Goose. Thanks for your company. Been a very busy show. Plenty coming out of the Justin Longmuir interview on Gillian Goss this morning, but plenty coming out of Eagles headquarters over there at MRP. Look, Shuey has spoken, the captain of the Eagles. And one man who was there, of course, is Channel 9's main man, I like to call him, my man, Paddy Sweeney. G'day, Paddy. 
Good afternoon. Good morning, Goss. <laughs> Nearly there. Not quite yet at the That's moment, nice. but good morning to you on a beautiful and fresh Monday morning. Yeah, it was a bit murky uh, early doors this morning, but it's certainly finding up, but looks pretty fresh. Always cold out at uh, that end of town as well. Now, you've just come out of the Luke Shuey press conference. Obviously, there's a fair bit of focus on Willie Rioli. We'll get on that in a moment. How did Luke Shuey pull up after his 22 possessions for a West Coast waffle on the weekend? Goss, it's good news for the Eagles captain and also Eagles fans. Uh, Luke Shuey says he's feeling wonderful. He just got out of the sauna before coming to greet the media and giving us a few minutes of his time. Very generous is the skipper. Uh, Look, played about 80 minutes on the weekend. As you mentioned, the 22 touches. I think there was uh, seven tackles in there as well. And look, he was um, very smooth moving. I think you only have to see the vision to see that Luke Shuey uh, benefits any team. And he did that on the weekend, leading the Eagles to that first victory in the waffle for the season. So... Look, he's feeling really good about himself. Uh, He is expected to uh, make his return to the AFL team this weekend and lead them against the Bulldogs on Sunday, which will be a massive boost for West Coast. He did just touch on, um, obviously, the strain a little bit in the last sort of 18 months and a little bit of the doubt that has crept into his mind about his body, obviously being uh, uh, 30-plus now, uh, getting a little bit older, a veteran of the league, and, and not being able to train to improve every single session. He's more sort of saying now his approach to training is that of probably uh, veterans and other veterans around the league as well, where you've got to train smarter instead of uh, try to be uh, intense the whole time. But look, he sort of said he's feeling really good. Extended period on the sidelines. He said after 12 weeks for surgery, they really took a bit of a uh, a different approach as well. They consulted with a couple of people over in the East, um, some specialists there, uh, which uh, the, the S&C department have been through with him and really mapped this out quite uh, meticulously. So he's feeling really confident that, uh, should he get selected? And I imagine that that uh, whiteboard would have his name on it for Sunday's clash against the Bulldogs. Not not down under the guidance of Hamish Brayshaw again in the waffle. Uh, mm. But I think Luke Shuey, you can almost guarantee that he'll be running out there as well. And it's an exciting time for West Coast when you look at it, Goss, because you've got Luke Shuey coming back. You've also got the vice captain in Jeremy McGovern coming back. You've got Tim Kelly coming back and also Brad Shepard coming back. So the stars are starting to align for West Coast as they try to get that crucial top four spot, obviously meaning a double chance, which they've missed out on the last couple of years. No doubt. Paddy Sweeney from Nine News is online. Paddy, just Willie Rioli, has he arrived at the club? He has. He is at the club at the moment. The first time he's been back here in quite some time. Uh, he was driven into the club probably about half an hour ago while that press conference was happening. Uh, he's in there at the moment. Luke Shuey sort of saying, look, there's nothing going to be any formal with Willie, there's not going to be a meeting with the team and reintroducing him. It's just going to be probably a pretty organic thing when teammates uh, cross paths with him. But look, they, he did say that they've made it clear that what he has done isn't in line with the values of the team and also the, the culture that they've got going here at West Coast that they've obviously put to bed, uh, obviously, decades gone by. Um, but look, he sort of said, look, we, we just cannot wait to have him here. He said, look, talent alone, there's not too many uh, players on the on the AFL scene that can do what Willie can do. So they said, look, there's no great expectations on Willie. They want him back in the AFL team. But uh, understandably, with almost two years out of football as well, it's a long time to sort of try and pack it into uh, a two-month mini preseason and, and then obviously getting the all-clear to resume playing on August 20. So if he's fit and firing for August 20, that means a, a round 23 return, the Eagles' final home game of the season. Home and away game, I should say. That'd be against the Brisbane Lions and then potentially there for finals as well. But he's got a fair bit of work to do, I would imagine, in terms of just getting his conditioning back and up to a standard of AFL level. He has been training um, pretty tough, Luke Shuey said, uh, in the Tiwi Islands and also down here in recent weeks. But 
obviously, as you know, Tim, there's quite a significant step up mm. from uh, from training by yourself and with those at lower levels to, to picking it back up to uh, an AFL team and, and that, obviously, a team going for a top four finish like West Coast. Okay, news is pressing. Uh, 30 seconds. What does he do now? Is he trained today? I know that's an open session for the public tomorrow. It's going to be a bit of a circus. Are we going to see him on the track at any stage today? And are the nine cameras hovering? The nine cameras are hovering. They've been here for a while, Goss, and they uh, <laughs> plan on being here for some time soon, just like myself. But, uh, look, Willie Riot, he is expected that he'll, he'll get out there to, t- to uh, train today as well. They'll train in a couple of hours west coast. Willie Rioli is expected to come out and join his teammates, reintroduce himself to the teammates, and hopefully start his comeback for, to, uh, to play from there. Good on you, mate. We'll see the report on nine from five, between five and six, with the delightful Monica Koss, and then from six till seven with uh, Tomo. Good on you, mate. Appreciate you taking our call. Thanks, Goss. Uh, There's Paddy Sweeney from Nine News. Does a great job, does the big Paddy Sweeney. Used to be check boy, if anyone used to know. Used to be the big check boy. Used to bring the check in for the Western Front. Did you know that? That's where he started his TV career. Yeah, he used to come in. Yep, and Michael Genovese was another one. He used to be check boy. We started them all. Don't you worry about that. And they've all gone on to bigger things. Uh, in fact, I don't know if it's bigger. I think Western Front was pretty big in its time. Hey, well done, Special K. Thanks to Alex as well. And thank you for joining us. And thanks to all our guests who took our calls with Sporting Goss today. We'll be back on your radio between 10 and 12 tomorrow, of course. And just a reminder to our wonderful friends at SEN Spirit 621, we're down in your neck of the woods on Friday doing our live show from Gillian Goss from 6 o'clock down there. So we look forward to getting amongst the locals down in the old hood, the old Bunbury town. Hello to all our wonderful supporters of our radio station down there. To everyone who is on board with advertisers and sponsors, thank you for being behind SEN Spirit 621. Have a good day. Stay warm. Just 13 degrees. This has been Sporting Goss. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.